Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Yeah, we're live again. If you didn't know those in the building, the reason we have the little timer thing is because there are people joining us online. Sometimes, in fact, I think almost every week, people from around the world, one of these days we'll have technology so I can see who's here today, but welcome. If you're in Pakistan, I love it when you guys join us, and um, our friends in Zambia that often come from Indola and Lusaka, welcome. We used to have someone that came regularly from um, New York City. So anyway, that's why we like to try to time it. How are you all doing today? Are you sure? How are you over there? <laughs> Good to see you, Mark, and your smiling face. Were you greeting people today? I thought I saw you at the front door. Were you greeting people? Oh, I bet everyone feels really greeted now. Yeah. Hmm. Also, I should know if you're wondering why there's a mic over here pointed at you. That is just for, if you talk back to me, like when I ask you questions sometimes, the people that watch just hear silence. The people that watch, I mean, from home. So we're hoping, if it works, technology is sometimes tricky, but it might be working today. So if I ask you a question... They might hear. Let's try it. Let's see if it works. How are you today? So could you hear them online? See, I can't hear you, so it doesn't. <laughs> but, they're, but I'll watch, like, the comments later, you know, and see what they said. By the way, I'm Ron. Um, hi. And it's good to have you here. And that was, in fact, my daughter who was greeting you. I think she's the cutest thing around. <laughs> Thank you, Carissa. Sorry to embarrass you, but thank you for saying hi to everybody. And thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your peace, especially as we were singing those great words, be still and know that I am God. We still ourselves and remind ourselves that you are God, that you are good that you're present, that you'll be exalted in all the earth so we don't need to stress and strive. We can rest in you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in this place. We continually lift our hearts and worship to you. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You're worthy of every breath we have. You're worthy of every minute we have. You're worthy of our time and our energy. You're worthy to receive all glory and all power and all praise and all honor. You're the great creator. You're the father. You're good and you're kind and you're loving and you're forgiving and you're redeeming and you're our healer and you're our deliverer. You're patient. You're full of grace, full of truth. We love you, Lord. And we present ourselves to you to experience the touch of your kingdom upon us today. 
We welcome you, Lord. Speak to us, we pray, as we approach the living word of God to learn from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wasn't the Lord good? Mm. I'm going to talk to us today um, from one of Paul, the Apostle's letters, and I'm just going to take a few thoughts that he had. I'm not doing a verse-by-verse -verse study through a book this time. We're, we're just taking a topic. And I think we have something for us that's maybe particularly timely for the season that we find ourselves in. In this year of 2022 in Oceanside and what the Lord is up to. Did you know the Lord's at work in Oceanside in 2022? Yeah. Some of you have bumped into him on the streets. You've bumped into him? Yeah. I have too. Yeah. Do, do any of you have in your families something that's kind of a special that gets passed down from generation to generation? Perhaps, if you're Italian, perhaps a fame Michael Aplikowski. Do you have in your family a famous Italian recipe that only you guys know how to make that has to get passed down? Absolutely. Absolutely. Does anyone else have that kind of thing? Several. Oh, yeah, you, Italian Michelle. Several. It's a thing, like Italians, right? Yeah, it's a thing. Does anyone have, like, you have a grandma made something and you have to make sure that the kids can make it and the grandchildren? Lasagna, of course. What was it called? Boston baked beans and brown bread. This is, that's hard to say, by the way. That was lots of bees. This is why churches should have lots of potlucks. <laughs> so that you can experience that, right? Well, and there's other things that you have, treasures. Usually when there's something like a, a family meal or a special dessert or something, it's a lot more than a piece of paper. Is that true, Michelle? You, you can't just pass the piece of paper. It's something you have to experience with grandma in the kitchen, and you have to have gotten your hands into it to know how to experience it and then pass it on. And you're hoping that that treasure doesn't get lost, right? So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, or Paul, in his letter to Timothy, is talking about that we're going to read. And I wanted you to grab a hold of that. Um, there's, there's almost an emotional sense when you start thinking about your family, right? Now, I, I, and I've been looking, how can I like get this feeling of this topic in our minds so we really grab it? And pardon me if this doesn't work for you, but some of you like sort of sci-fi adventure movies? No? None of you? I'll go some... You do? Okay. So... Um, Stretch your imagination. Here's a plot. I tried to think, what? I couldn't find the movie that would do something like this. But imagine you have something that's passed on that's, that's more important than uh, how to make chocolate chip cookies. Imagine, like in a sort of a sci-fi kind of setup, that somehow a relative or something has passed on to you. My phone's ringing. Don't you think that's embarrassing? I like, I'm always telling people to turn off their phones. Oh, and, and you know what? I actually answered it. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Oh, sorry, I'm in church. 
So now I'm looking for, and I asked her, I answered, I just hung up on him. So whoever you are, if you're watching. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I, I recognize the not recognizable number. I was about to learn about my warranty on my car. <laughs> and I'll call them back. Imagine a sort of a sci-fi movie kind of thing where like uh, you're, you're a teenager or something. Your dad has given you a special watch. I don't know, some kind of, something that you think is really cool and valuable, but you find out he's actually encoded into it. Like the, everything that's necessary to solve the energy crisis, you know. And so you've got like a, a, a sustainable, renewable, clean energy design, but it's been secretly encoded into your watch, and the oil companies are out after you because they want to kill you, so they don't want to pass it on, right? And you have this treasure, and it, it's also encoded that you have to have your voice print and uh, your eye scan, and you get the thing that's on you, and you get it to the right place, and there's an adventure about that. Can, is that stupid, or can you imagine that kind of thing? Where it, it's like you have a treasure of something of great value that's been entrusted to you, to, to guard and to pass on, and there are people that don't want you to, and they might kill you to stop you from passing it on. You got that idea? Yeah. Are you feeling me? Yeah. You're like into it? Yeah. So we just saw a video about people around the world who have a treasure that they are guarding. It's their message and experience of Jesus Christ. The gospel, we might call it, or Paul will sometimes refer to it just as the faith. A treasure that's so valuable, it has to be guarded, it has to be passed on, and there is an evil malevolent force out to stop people from passing it on. We just don't feel that a lot in our particular nation, where at least at this season and time, people are free to worship God. And by the way, if you didn't know, what we experience is very rare in human history. This is unusual. This is not normal that there's a nation where people can freely worship God the way they want to. In the history of the world, this is a rare thing. We have a treasure. So, a guy's writing a, a letter that we have in the Bible. His name is Paul. Who's, do, do any of you know who Paul is? I'm not, see, I know some of you are new and you don't know who Paul is, so we have to tell you. Tell, tell, somebody tell me something about Paul. What? Say that again? Oh, his name used to be Saul. And who, who is he? Who's this guy? Tent maker that persecuted Christians. We're kind of developing a little kind of a view of this guy. What else? He saw the light. Okay, so he's a tent maker. He used to persecute Christians. He saw the light, and eventually he became a follower of Jesus when he saw the light. So he went from killing Christians to being one who carried the message of the, God, the treasure. Right, so he... Be, so he something else, what? Like no other, I said. He followed Christ like no other. Followed Christ like no other. So yeah, so, so this guy named Saul is a Jewish leader... He's part of sort of the ruling class, part of something called the Sanhedrin, which is very high up in authority, both politically and spiritually, kind of a guardian of the traditions of the Jewish people. He's at the time of Jesus. He doesn't recognize 
early on that Jesus is actually the prophesied Messiah of the Hebrew Bible. He believes that, that Jesus is a bad guy. And in his understanding of what it means to be a good believer in God, he's out to destroy the followers of this Jesus guy because they are opposing, he thinks, his religious worldview. Very important to him that it get passed on. So he's actually in the business of arresting, imprisoning, and killing followers of what they call followers of the way. Well, he sees the light one day. He has a dramatic encounter with the risen Jesus Christ. Not physically at the moment, but by a, a sound from heaven and an experience. He eventually has his eyes open to read the scriptures that he studied his whole life in an entirely new way and determines that, in fact, Jesus is the prophesied Messiah of the Old Hebrew Bible. And he begins to understand his Bible that he studied his whole life in a whole new way. He understands all the prophecies and all the promises and begins to go and start new churches. He goes and tells people about this guy named Yeshua, or Jesus, the Messiah. He's, as a Jew, unusually sent to non-Jewish people, so the message of Jesus begins to spread around the Roman Empire. He's the first missionary, actually. Well, Jesus was probably the first missionary, but <laughs> he came farther than Paul. But did you know Jesus was a missionary that came from heaven to earth? You know that, right? Okay, so, so this is this Paul guy. He begins going you know, to Oceanside and Carlsbad and makes it all the way down to La Jolla, and he tells people about Jesus the Messiah. They follow Jesus. Churches are established. He writes some letters to them about how to follow the Lord, about some troubles, um, about correction to issues they're facing, and we have them in our book called the Bible. You know, when you read Romans, that's a letter that... Saul, now named Paul, using a more Gentile name, wrote to the Christians in Rome. If you didn't know that, that's who this Paul guy is. So in his journeys at some point, he discovered a young man, and his name was Timothy, and he began to be a mentor, a coach, a discipler to Timothy. Timothy traveled with him. And you can read about you know, their adventures in the book of Acts. You see Timothy's name pop up in some of the letters. Well, Paul, at the end of his life, is, a, is imprisoned in Rome, and he's about to be martyred. He's going to be executed by Nero, and he knows it. And he writes a letter to Timothy that we have in our Bible. It's called 2 Timothy. And they're all through the Bible, it's, all through this letter, there's an urgency that you feel when you read it, that Paul has been diligent to guard the treasure that was entrusted to him, the experience of Jesus, the experience of the Holy Spirit, the understanding of this message about Jesus, the understanding of the Old Testament, all that he's been given and understands. He has this treasure, he's passed it on to Timothy, and he is talking to Timothy about some urgent things to make sure that the treasure gets passed to the next generation. Way more important than your grandma's chocolate chip cookie recipe even more important, Michelle, than lasagna, which is important, we recognize, but this is the treasure. So that's the feel that we have when we read this letter, and I'm going to read three little passages from the letter and then talk about them. 
Because this applies to you no matter where you are in your journey with Jesus, if you have become a follower of Jesus, if you've trusted your life into his hands, something happened to you that was supernatural. The Holy Spirit of God himself took up residence in you. And whatever you have, whether you are brand new in the faith, whether you're an hour old in the Lord, or whether you're here and you're 60 years old in the Lord, you have been entrusted with a treasure that you are called to guard, and the way you guard it includes passing it on to others who will guard it. And it's really, really important. And there's an enemy that wants the treasure to be lost and would love more than anything to keep you from passing it on, to make all of us not pass it on. You know, there are nations on the planet right now that were once filled with followers of Jesus who've grown cold and haven't passed it on. There are places where it's hard to find, hard to find anyone who has a memory of what their forefathers used to have who were once alive. So it's, it's a real issue. Let's read some of these things. I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read three passages, so a bit of scripture reading, and then I'm going to come back and talk about them. You with me? Thumbs up? Okay. Which book? So it's 2 Timothy. By the way, uh, he, at the end of the letter, this is how we, we're in the middle toward the end, this is how we know that he is at the end of his life, and we know historically that he was martyred soon after this. He says, I'm already poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but all who have loved and longed for his appearing. So that's, that's where we get that sense. And you might read it. It's a short letter. But here's the three passages. The first one is at the fifth verse in the first chapter, first chapter of 2 Timothy. And he writes to Timothy, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. You have a sincere faith, Timothy. For this reason, since you have a faith that is sincere, I know it's true, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear or cowardice, but a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of self-discipline in this translation. Some translations take that phrase and say a spirit of a sound mind. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord and ashamed of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Timothy, guard what's been trusted to you and fan into flame the gift in you. The next passage, a little later, a few verses later, a few sentences later, verse 13. I, I need to give you a little note here. I've, I've taken 13 in the International Version and 14 in the New American Standard <coughs> translation for this one reason. Um, the New American Standard renders a particular word, the treasure, and I wanted you to hear the word treasure. Many translations will say instead of treasure, the good deposits in you. With that, listen to this. What you've heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching, with faith, 
and love in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. And then one more passage, a few verses later, a few sentences later. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be able to be qualified to teach others. So now I want to walk back through those just three passages and just see if we can learn a few things that will help us to guard the treasure that's been entrusted to us. So the first one, let me read it again. I've been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. See, when Paul was going through on one of his missionary journeys, he was told, have you met Timothy, this young man? There's his grandmother and mother, and the idea probably is that they were converted to follow Jesus through Paul's ministry. They had this faith. They raised up Timothy, taught, him his faith, taught them in the Lord. Timothy's father was Greek. His um, mother was Jewish. And there was some work that had to be done there. I'm persuaded it also lives in you. For this reason, I remind you, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Don't be ashamed to testify because of this. Because of the spirit that's been put in you, don't be ashamed to testify. I'll talk through that a little bit more, but... When a wood fire begins to wane, something happens. You stop having light and heat, and you have just a lump of possibly attractive-looking, probably not even that good-looking anymore, wood. Wood that's not burning, I mean, is nice to look at, I guess. But it doesn't really do that much for you. Do you know what fire is? Fire is the conversion, in the case of a wood fire, fire is the conversion of wood into energy. The wood is changing from matter into light energy and heat energy. And if it starts to die down, you do fan it, and you also bring some other wood and rebuild the fire. We all know this. We've all been around the campfire at some point. We've all enjoyed the light. We've all enjoyed the heat and the warmth it provides. And when you and I are about the works of Jesus and the works of the kingdom and doing the ministry of God, it's as though you are wood. It's being converted to energy. Have you experienced this? You find yourself in a place where you are perhaps allowing yourself to be used by God to pray for someone. And suddenly there's light. And there's warmth. And what you were before is now energy. Like fire. You can be like a dry piece of old wood that was once burning. Or you can be fanned into flame again. And you'll notice that Paul connects in, in this language what he's saying here. 
simply passing on the testimony of Jesus with the fire of God in Timothy being fanned into flame. You have been given a treasure. You are called to guard it. And one of the ways you guard it is by keeping it alive. You are called to be the guardian of the flame that God has given you. You can't keep it alive on your own, but God won't keep it alive for you, probably. Maybe in some rare cases, he'll look at you and go, well, I want this person to burn, and they're not burning, so I'm going to come in and fan their flame. But in, Paul, in Timothy's situation, Paul is going, look, I'm at the end of my life. This treasure, I've passed it on to you, but Timothy, you've got to fan it into flame again. You've got to come alive again. You've got to do the works of the ministry. You've got to do the works of loving. Um, He's, he, he tells them, you know, you received a spirit. And the effects of that spirit that's in you. By the way, I said it before, listen again. If you have followed Jesus, if you've trusted him with your life, he has put within you the spirit of the living God. And that spirit doesn't lead you into fearfulness or timidity or cowardice. I read one commentator who said, you know, timidity is not a strong enough word here. This is about the kind of fear that happens when someone maybe is in battle and they curl up in cowardice and run from the battle. This is the kind of timidity that stops you from doing the life that you're called to live. But, but he says, because you haven't been given a spirit that gives you timidity, the spirit that's been given to you gives you power and gives you love and gives you a strong, solid, self-disciplined demeanor in your mind. Because of that, get to work and don't be ashamed to testify about me. See, when I get to a place where I feel like maybe I'm fearful or ashamed to even tell someone about who Jesus is, when I've come up to the chicken line, <laughs> and I'm afraid to cross it, you know the chicken lines? I have an image in my mind, but I won't go there. <laughs> when I come up to the chicken line, I have also a spirit who's in me, who I can call on to give me power to march across the chicken line. If I will call on him, I will have power and I will have love and I'll have the discipline and the strength of character and a sound mind in order to do what I've been called to do at that situation, which guards the treasure and passes it on. Are you feeling me on this? You, you got this? And that alone begins to fan the flame. And of course, you know, if you have a fire, you can not only fan it, but you get some more wood next to it, and you get that wood burning. And if you get a few logs burning, you get a fire. You get too many, too many logs burning in your fireplace, the fire department's liable to show up because the fire is too big, right? Yes. Right? Yes. You have a treasure that you are called to guard. I have a treasure that I'm called to if your fire is dying down, which it will when you stop being active. Fan it into flame. If I don't fan into flame the spirit, the gift, the message, the experience, the whole package that's been handed to me from my life in the Lord, if I don't fan it into flame, I am at great danger of being overtaken by a spirit of fear. I'm being at great danger 
of not having love, but having something else. But if I'll fan into flame the gift that's been entrusted to me, I will have love and I'll have power and I'll have a sound mind and I'll have discipline and I'll be able to do what I'm called to do. We were, we were at Jesus' party on Friday night. I told you about that. Yeah, Jason was there. Some of you are hearing about Jesus there. Was there any light and heat there, you guys? Yeah. Daniel was um, leading it because Dustin... So Jesus' party is basically a Jesus party <laughs> on the beach. It's a place where there's pizza, and there's prayer, and there's song, and there are, on Friday night, there were people that were followers of Jesus from lots of different churches, so it wasn't a church thing, but it was a church thing. There were people that were on the beach that just kind of got dragged in. As I was leaving at, I don't know, around 8 or 8.30, um, there were some people that were saying, you haven't been baptized yet? Well, let's go in the water right now. And they were headed down to the water to do a baptism. Um, someone was giving their life to Jesus, if I remember right. Someone else was getting prayed for. Someone else was just enjoying the pizza. It was just a party. But you know what happened was Daniel, sitting back there, who helps you know, set up the building in the morning here, was asked, could you just kind of facilitate it right? He was probably scared. It's not his thing to do. He opened up the Bible. Read from Psalm 119. Talked a little bit about what it meant to him. And as he did so, there was a fire that was fanned into flame. There was light and there was warmth and there was the presence of God. And this thing I just read was happening. As I was walking to my car, I wanted to get to my car before the um, permit ran out. <laughs> and it already passed. I thought, I wonder if they check it. I don't want to pay the... Sixty-some dollar park. Anyway, on my way to the car, this couple stops me. And a woman and a man, she's in distress. And she says, I am in so much pain. And I have non-alcoholic liver fibrosis or something like that. So she's got fibrous cysts in her liver and it hurts all over. She said, could you possibly just help us get to the you know, top of the strand? Could you give me a ride or get me to the transit station? It's too hard for me to walk. And I said... Well, sure, hop in the car. She's like, really? And I said, yeah, but first, um, I, I believe that God likes to help people. And it's, I don't know exactly what words, but I pray for you. That's the chicken line. By the way, here's really simple instruction for you followers of Jesus who have a treasure to guard. The moment someone shares with you their trouble or their pain, you have a treasure to answer that trouble or pain. It goes like this. I think that God might want to help you. Could I pray for you? It's pretty simple. Practice those words. I think God might want to help you. Could I pray for you? When you say those words to someone in need, you are fanning into flame the gift that's in you. I felt it immediately. She's teared up. She said, really? Yes, I said. Can I put my hand on you? Yes. She said, even put it here. I said, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> no, it's right here. Put it. It's okay. So we prayed. Now, she's already experiencing the life of God, right? She's got a human being who's being kind to her. She's already got an experience of God's kingdom near her. And he went farther. He decided to take her pain away. Now, I don't know if whatever her condition is is healed. I don't know. I don't, I'm not an x-ray guy. I didn't, we didn't do anything. 
But we do know that she told me it's all better. It took a while, by the way. First she said, my back feels better, but over here it still hurts. And I said, well, let's pray again. Because what's, once we're going, let's keep rolling, right? And I prayed for her, and she said, now it's all gone. And I said, well, get in the car. And I said, so where are you going? She said, oh, we're all the way over at Thunder. I said, why don't I just drive you home? Now she's crying again. And her friend, who's more quiet, he's crying. And now she starts pouring out her heart and saying, I've been looking for Christian people. I've been looking for a church. Someone that would be nice, you know? How easy was that? And I took them home, and there was, can we give you money? No, no, don't. Just, I'm glad. It was, it was good to help you. What happened? I was fanning into flame the gift of God. And I felt enlivened, by the way. When you fan into flame the gift in you, you don't lose anything, you gain. What you heard from me, he says in verse 13, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, of faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure that's entrusted to us. Folks, we have been handed what some call a blood-soaked gospel. And it was appropriate, this, this prayer thing we did for the persecuted church today with this. So first, our, you know, the, the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus, soaked this gospel in his own blood. In other words, his life blood. But this treasure has been passed on at the cost, at a great cost, at a blood cost. We've been given a message of how people come into salvation. We've been given a message of what justice is. We've been given a message of what flourishing in life means. We've been given a message of what healthy relationships are, of what healthy sexuality is. We've been given something that at great cost has been passed on to us. And Paul is concerned because already some people are coming and distorting the message with new ideas. Folks, we don't get to mess with the message. We don't make up the message. We don't change how people come to faith in a God who sent his son to die for their sins and was raised from the dead on the third day and poured out his spirit 50 days later on Pentecost. That is a message that we've experienced. It's been passed on and we don't change it. There's only one way to this experience of salvation. It's through faith. In Jesus Christ, the Son of God, there is no other way given among men whereby people can come into salvation. And I don't, it doesn't matter what kind of political pressure or social pressure or religious pressure there is upon us to change the message. And there's always pressure to change the message to make it more palatable. It doesn't matter. We've been given a treasure and we need to. What you've heard from me is the pattern of sound teaching. What's been passed on to us, we pass on. So there is a part of guarding the treasure by knowing what the treasure is. You have what you've been given, but you need to grow in it. You need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You need to study and learn and be around people who know him. Fan into flame and guard the message and guard the treasure. And we're already to the third one. You then, my son, 2 Timothy, verse 1, 
Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, if you didn't see that, there's like a lot of generations there. You're going to have to count it with me. Paul is passing it on to Timothy. There's the first generation. Timothy is to pass it on to people who are faithful. There's the third generation. And he's supposed to pass it on to people who are faithful who will also be able to pass it on to others. Paul's got four generations of guarding the treasure in his mind. Did you see that? Wherever you are in your journey with the Lord, however developed the treasure is, and the treasure grows as you grow in Christ, by the way, the treasure becomes more valuable, more beautiful. Wherever you are, you are called to pass it on to the next person. And that's the primary way that you guard the treasure. I asked um, my friend Dakota if I could have him share a story that he was telling me about on, on Friday night. And Dakota, could you come up here? And he's nervous. Wouldn't you be nervous if the pastor called you up on Saturday night and said, I want to see if you'd tell your story in front of everybody? Not nervous anymore? Do you think you could hold this? Would you, would you not do this? Yeah, but do this? Would you, you can? Yeah, you promise? So as it falls down, I'm going to bump you. Okay? How tall are you? Pretty tall. Pretty tall. Isn't he handsome? <laughs> How old are you? I'm 18. So, and you, you're new to Oceanside from Florida, right? Yes. And has anyone seen a really beautiful little baby running around here named Sunny Ray? Yes, so, yes. He's daddy. I'm a proud father. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm thinking you moved to Florida so you could be here with your baby. I moved from Florida, yes. Yeah. So, not that long. And still in high school, by the way. So, taking responsibility, being a wise man. So you, when you came here, were not yet a believer in Jesus, or you hadn't, you hadn't followed him yet? Nope, nope. Yeah. I was an unbeliever. I actually discriminated against people who believed in Jesus. That seems like that's changed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so how long ago did you invite Jesus to be your Lord? I think it was 5.15. I, I came up on stage, or right, right in front of the stage, and I talked to Sharon. And she led me to give my life to Jesus. Awesome? So, and by the way, he, he was a big part of Jesus' party on Friday night. If, if you are in Oceanside and you run into Dakota, you're liable to go away with an invitation card. To oh, yeah. Sure. I always have a, I don't have a pack on me right now, though. But there's some out there. Yeah. Me, right? Yeah. So he was telling me um, about a guy he works with that you were telling about Jesus. Can you just kind of tell him what you were telling me? So my coworker, when I, I, I first met him, I told him a little story I, I, about my life, how I came from Florida. And I basically told him that I was in a dark time. I didn't have my family here. I felt alone. And then I started coming to this church. And the first time I walked in, this man came up and greeted me. And then a bunch of other people went, 
I just felt like a part of the family again. And I told him that, and I said, it gave me, it gave me energy and gave me a path to, to keep going and be happy about it and take on the, the little positive things in life and not, the, not look at the negativity. And he said he's always been following Jesus, but he, he didn't really, he wasn't really into as much. And then the next week I go back and talk to him, he said, I went home and I read the book of John, and he's sitting there telling me lessons. He's like, yeah. He said, don't talk bad about people because they'll come back around. And he says, just think positive. And I said, dude, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. And that's just like what he was saying, fanning the flame. Like his embers might have been going out, but I came and just told my testimony. And it just, boom, burst the flame. And now he's, you I'm trying to. him to come and get baptized. Yeah, he said he wants to get baptized. And he says he wants, to, he wants to do it with the pastor that's cool and that he can talk to. And I said, dude, you've got to meet my pastor. <laughs> this guy is awesome. He's awesome. Thanks, Dakota. And I'm trying to get him out to Jesus party. He usually works Friday, but I'm going to try to get him out there. He wants to come. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> 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 so, did you say May 15th, 5.15? So, I wanted him to share with you, because a lot of you are older Christians. And, did I say something wrong? And, and you actually have a well-developed treasure of knowledge and experience. And Dakota is brand new. But he's sharing what he has. I think, the way I heard it, you haven't read John yet. No. <laughs> but you're talking about him reading John. You guard the treasure by passing it on. And right now, in, in our city even, but I'm hearing stories all over the world, there is a move, a movement of the Holy Spirit in people's lives where many are starting to roam the streets and find people to share the gospel with. Dakota's one of them. You're liable to find him out looking for people to tell about Jesus. We're looking for people who may be hungry and he has some food to give them. Looking for people who are hopeless and there's a message of hope to give them. The treasure. There are a bunch of young people young in the Lord, not necessarily by age, but also by age, who are very much alive in the Lord, but very immature in their faith, as you are when you're brand new. And those of us that have got some mileage in with the Lord have a responsibility in this day to make sure we are connected with people who need the treasure that's been given to us. 
Some of you, I imagine, were around in the great revival of the 1970s, the Jesus People Revival. I see a hand. Is anyone else was around then? Oh, there's a few more hands. Yeah. At that time, like our time, there was a sudden outpouring of the Holy Spirit across the world where people were energetically sharing Jesus, writing songs, going into stadiums, going into band shows, going into parks, doing Jesus parties on the beach. Same dynamic. And I'm, I want to challenge you that are followers of Jesus for a while to arrange your life so that you are around some people that are either far from faith or new to faith. Figure out where to go. The reason I go to Jesus' party is not so I can get saved. It's so that I can find someone that I have something to give to. To support someone who's doing the work of ministry. That's just an example that I keep saying, but there would be many more. What I'm saying is, folks, you've been given a treasure, and the primary way that you guard the treasure is to pass it on to someone who will also carry the treasure that you've been given to. Yes, you need to fan and to flame the gift that's in you if you are growing cold. You do that sometimes with the simple practices of prayer and worship and repentance especially, Turning away from the things that you know God doesn't want you to be involved in to following God wholeheartedly, following Jesus. But you also do it by getting involved in the works of the kingdom of God, which involves caring for the poor and the hurting and the hungry and the hopeless. It involves giving away things to people that have need. It involves praying for people who are in pain and suffering relationally, emotionally, physically. It involves sharing the good news of Jesus. It involves sometimes going to open up your Bible with a little Bible study where everyone is already a Christian, but they're kind of new in faith. And you have something to share. You have a story. You have an experience. You have a knowledge. You have the treasure that's been passed down at the cost of people's blood from generation to generation, and it's now in our hands. We could become like some nations in Europe where you can't find anything but an old church building that's empty, many of which are now being turned into mosques, because they didn't fan into flame the gift. Is that too dark? I don't want to be dark, but I want to be real. That's happened to our brothers and sisters who grew cold and didn't pass it on to the next generation. You know, I'm told that the percentage of believers in Jesus in Iceland right now is 0%. That's our world. But we just saw that there are how many? 400,000 Christians was that in one of those persecuted countries? And there's millions in our country, millions around the world. Let us be a people who guard the treasure that's been entrusted to us, who fan it into flame, who don't mess with the message, who don't make up our own message because of the political and social pressures of our time to conform to something that's a little less irritating to people who don't like it. 
Let us be full of love, but let's guard the message and let's pass it on. Because your message is also your experience. Understand that. It's not just knowledge like a recipe written down. It's the experience of the presence of the Lord. The experience of when you were prayed for. The experience of when you prayed for someone. The experience of worship. The experience of having your tears wiped dry by the Lord Himself. The experience of one day being in fear and the next day being encouraged because God helped you and because you shared your story with your brother and they prayed with you and something changed and you were able to rise up strong and go on doing the life that God's called you to live. All of that is part of the treasure that's in you. And it's real and it's important and it's rich. And it's valuable and it must be guarded. There's an urgency about it. There's an urgency about the hour. There's always been an urgency. When you came in, you may have walked past um, a table with, with this little, little cup. Do you like my catch? This is a version of grape juice and something approaching a bread. I don't know. A little wafer. These became popular during the pandemic because they're very safe and secure. But if you, if you pull the top off, the very top clear plastic, you find a little wafer in there. And I was successful. It looks like this. This is for communion, and I'd like to celebrate communion together. If you don't have one, and if you raise your hand right now, these guys in the back will bring you one. Speaking of a blood-soaked gospel, Paul wrote this to the church. In Corinth, I received what I passed, what I received from the Lord, what I also passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And that's when the Lord established this thing that we call communion, the Lord's Supper. Eucharist. It's a living example, an emblem, a symbol, a powerful symbol of what we have experienced. Jesus' body broken, symbolized by the broken bread, so that we could be made whole. Not only in ourselves individually, but so that we could be made whole as a body of Christ, who were once broken in relationship. But by the message of the gospel, the faith that's been passed down, we can enter into a restoration of relationship. You know, as Dakota was sharing, he came here in a dark place and he entered into the body of Christ and found family. That's all built into this picture of bread. We have been baptized into one body. Jesus laid down his life. So he's, Jesus has said that we who follow him do well to remember his death until he returns and all that it means. So let's, let's eat this wafer in memory of Jesus' broken body and all that it means for our wholeness. Jesus, we thank you for going to a cross. We thank you for allowing your body to be pierced and broken, stripes upon your back that would bring us healing. And we look to you in faith that your death was the first step toward a resurrection that would bring new life to the whole planet. 
starting with us. And we eat in remembrance of you. Thank you for your body. Let's eat together. We read it that after the bread, he took a cup. And I got to think he chose wine because it's red like blood. And he said, this cup is my blood poured out for you in the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. And as we know, he gave up his lifeblood, like a perfect lamb, a sacrifice, a substitute, who would take upon himself all the pain and degradation of sin in all its violent forms, suffering a violent death, in all its evil, in all its wickedness, all the sins of the world. And he made this promise, when I am lifted up on the cross, if you look in faith to me at my death, it will become life to you. If you look in faith to me at my sacrifice for the sins of humanity, it will become righteousness for you. I will give you my righteousness and your sins I will wipe away from you. I mean, it's good to have someone say, I forgive you. But it doesn't compare to having the God of the universe say, not only do I forgive you, I cleanse you of all of your sins and its effects. The presence of sin is removed from you when you put your faith in you. Powerful, the blood of Jesus. So Jesus said, regularly, in remembrance of me, drink this cup of wine or the fruit of the vine or grape juice, Remembering that my blood was poured out for you, that you would enter into a new relationship with God. And listen, if you're listening to me, you're watching on mine, you might even be in the room here. It's important that you put your faith in this Jesus who laid down his life and was raised again for life. It will change you forever. You'll be like the young man Dakota was sharing. He put his faith in Jesus. And everything changes. It's quite simple. You simply look to him and say, I trust you with my life. You're my boss now. You're my Lord. I want to follow you. Come in, forgive me, and cleanse me. And that's symbolizing this cup we're about to drink. So Jesus, we want to say thank you for your lifeblood poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins, for a new covenant, a new relationship with God made possible by your life, your death, and your resurrection. We drink in remembrance of you. Let's drink together. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.